1: produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Amy Middleton. Amy Middleton here and welcome to Women on the Line. Today we're talking about women, gender, illness and healthcare with a focus on chronic fatigue syndrome uh, or myalgic encephalomyelitis, which is um, a term that I've had to learn for today's show. Uh, So I'll be chatting with Caitlin Plyley, who is a writer and performer and host of a podcast called Just a Spoonful, which is a monthly discussion with a young person living with a chronic illness or disability. So a bit of background about Caitlin's creative career. She's the creator and performer of theatrical work, Not Much to Tell You, and her writing has appeared in The Lifted Brow, Vice, Daily Life, Seizure and Junkie. Caitlin also lives with myalgic encephalomyelitis, chronic fatigue syndrome. And just a trigger warning, uh, my chat with Caitlin does contain a brief discussion of suicidal thoughts. Thanks for joining me for Women on the Line. All right, I'm, I'm here with Caitlin Plyley. Thanks so much for coming on Women on the Line, Caitlin. Thanks, Amy. Glad to be here. Um, So to kick us off, do you mind telling us a little bit about chronic fatigue syndrome um, or myalgic encephalomyelitis? Um, What is it and how does it impact your life?
2: Um, Well done on pronouncing it, by the way. (laughs)
1: Thanks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The name of the condition is like um, a whole thing and kind of tied into the controversial history of it. Um, So uh, chronic fatigue syndrome... Is like not is what I was officially diagnosed with, but it's like 16 years or however long it was ago Mm -hmm. when I was 16. Um, But it is not a uh, no longer sort of like recognized by many patients and patient advocates because um, it has a uh, first of all it has a a negative stigma attached to it, you know, of like not being a real thing and and not being a real illness. Um, But also a lot of people. Uh, tend to focus just on the chronic fatigue part and think that it just means that you have the symptom chronic fatigue. when
1: Which uh, means tiredness, basically, just, doesn't it?
2: Being Well, fatigue is a bit different to tiredness, but, yeah, basically it means being tired all the time, um, which is a symptom that is obviously, as you can imagine, associated with, like, innumerate illnesses. Mm. Um, but chronic fatigue syndrome actually, uh, is associated with, um, like, uh, I don't even know, like countless symptoms. Like I, I think I had about 17. Wow. Um, and, um, when I first got diagnosed, I remember the doctor gave me like a printout of all the, um, symptoms associated with chronic fatigue syndrome. And it was like two columns, a four page front and back. Like, um, it, you know, and I had probably about half of them. Um, so yeah it's not just being tired um but like so that's why a lot of people are against the name chronic fatigue syndrome right but my thing is like i always got annoyed because i was like why do people ignore the syndrome part of it because yeah. syndrome has a meaning and what it means is like complex inconec- like a complex sort of set of interconnecting physiological symptoms right which is what it is and chronic fatigue is kind of just the the um the the um, flashiest symptom like it's <laughs> It's the one that gets the most attention. Um, The most easy to
1: publicize.
2: Easy to publicize, but I think it's not so much that. It's not even about that. I think it's like the doctor's, like, it's part of the diagnosis. It's like you have to have the chronic fatigue. Oh, okay. Plus, like, maybe, like, four other symptoms from the list
1: to be
2: diagnosed. But diagnosis, it varies from doctor to doctor, from country to country, Mm. from, you know, like, it it's not agreed on by anyone, anywhere. And the (laughs) myalgic encephalomyelitis, a lot of patient advocates consider a different um, uh, diagnosis uh, to chronic fatigue syndrome. Okay, so there's like a lot of people in the UK who say that they have ME and they do not want to be told that they have chronic fatigue syndrome. They don't want to be associated with people with chronic fatigue syndrome because they say that there are neurological biomarkers for ME that you can do a test, you can do a scan and actually find, whereas with chronic fatigue syndrome, it's more of like a diagnosis of ruling out every other diagnosis and then going, you're still sick and we don't know what's wrong with you, so you've got CFS. Um, I say ME slash CFS because I don't fucking know Um, (laughs) um, because I was diagnosed in Perth, Australia, uh, by, you know like like it's like I don't I didn't have access to like brain scans and that mm. and like also they didn't know as much as they know now back then anyway it's so even just getting diagnosed with with this thing like once you're diagnosed you're still not really diagnosed it's like unless you are one of those people in the UK who's like I've got ME um I'm here in Australia, where we've got almost zero funding for this illness, and I'm like, I still not sure what I have.
1: Right. So
2: <laughs> that's a very long answer. To <laughs> no, that was
1: great. I mean, like,
2: what do you have?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it that, doesn't that just highlight the complexity of it all. Um, so once you are diagnosed or otherwise, um, do you it's a do you get prescribed um, anything to help you day to day?
2: No, short answer, no. Um, okay. So the thing about this condition is, uh, with MECFS cfs is that there is no collective diagnosis, uh, there is no treatment, mm. there is no cure, and there's um, no agreement on what the management plan should be. So I'm on, I am on a treatment plan at the moment. It's entirely experimental. Like right. I hope it'll work, but there's like, it, like there's like half of the community is like this will fix you. Half of the community is like, this will make you worse. Oh.
1: So
2: it's um, always, a, you know, it's always a leap of face basically. Um, but a lot of people actually are sick, for I think the average is seven years before they get a diagnosis even. So um, by that point, it might actually be like, because uh, we don't know exactly what causes people to, to fall ill with this. Could be a virus there's like a theory that it's post-viral, but I think that's been, um, uh, debunked i'm not really sure mm-hmm. no one agrees no one agrees so um yeah you could be sick for seven years by which point you know maybe that first two-year window was the time that some treatment could have cured you but it's already been like another five years on top of that so
1: my gosh it's and not a
2: good it's not a good prognosis
1: no. <laughs> and it sounds like i mean even talking about the experimental treatments i i can't even imagine the level of energy that goes into managing that and the decisions around that
2: yeah I basically view at the moment and I have the privilege to be able to do this but I view being ill as my full-time job at the moment um and I have a I have also like a part-time job where I um host a podcast and write articles and stuff but yeah. like my full-time job is trying to get better um and because i have the disability support pension i'm able to do that and i also have like the support of you know a, a wonderful partner and family members and friends and uh you know a really wonderful community and like i've only had that support for like the last couple years um you know and before that i was just i feel like i was kind of in the wilderness
1: wow. um
2: uh but you know and i had to like be working to support myself and pay rent and,
0: eat food mm. and stuff
2: so i I didn't have the opportunity to actually um, take care of myself properly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I forgot what the question was <laughs>
1: oh, just talking about energy expenditure, which you certainly have talked about. Um, <laughs> would well, you mentioned your podcast, so um it's amazing. Tell us a Thank little you. bit about just a spoonful for readers that aren't um, aware
2: well basically just as beautiful as a long form conversation podcast where um, each month I have a different guest who is also a young person living with disability and or chronic illness. Um, And the sort of, sort of why I started it was because I was feeling quite isolated. I'm, I'm mostly housebound. so I don't leave my house very often. And um, a lot of people around me just didn't understand what I was going through. Mm. And I, But I had started talking more openly about my illness and my diagnosis. And I started finding that, like, the more I sort of brought it up, other people would go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got that too. Or, like, you know, I would say, like, oh, I'd be talking more openly about having anxiety disorder. And, and, like, one of my very close friends would be like, I have that too. And I had not known. Mm. Neither of us had spoken about it. And um, I started, like, just I just had this, like, I just have this curiosity for other, other young people living with these chronic conditions. It's like, how are you doing it? Like, what, mm. what do you do? And cause like you can feel like, um, uh, a bit, you can feel a bit displaced, especially when you have a so-called invisible disability. Um, cause you won't see yourself. Um, n- not that pe- <laughs> young people with disabilities, first of all, have almost like no representation in the media. The representation we do get is mostly negative, like, or like, Inspiration porn, um, you know the kind of oh poor them we're glad we're not them kind of coverage. Mm. Um, and then invisible disabilities get hardly any coverage because, of course, it's very hard to like put up and put up an inspirational photo of someone in bed,
1: yeah.
2: um, like who just looks normal otherwise, except they're just you know not getting out of bed today. Um, so I felt quite isolated, and I just wanted to reach out there and see if there were other young people going through similar experiences to me. And it has just been amazing. So I started the podcast because I wanted to start a podcast because everyone has a podcast, <laughs> um, and um, uh, and I just love the I just love the medium. It's so it's so freeing. Like you can do whatever you want, and um, there's no time limits. Uh, and I really like podcasts to listen to because I spend a lot of time in bed, mm. on a sometimes unable to like read because I'd have to turn a light on, and the light is too hard on my eyes. So. Mm. I spent a lot of time back in bed with the curtains closed and podcasts are really great, but, um, they don't have that kind of like, and I know I'm on radio and I love radio too, but like radio is like, you've got to hold people's attention. So there's like a lot of, um, uh, I guess like shifts constantly, you know, it'll be like five minutes and then you've got a song and then you've got like, you know, the announcer. Um, it was a bit too much for my, my poor little brain and, um, podcasts where people just talk to each other for two hours perfect right so it's like you know just very chill very low energy and um uh, and also made me feel a bit less alone which is really nice so that's kind of why i started just a spoonful all of my answers are very long today because
1: i'm (laughs) very fatigued yeah that's totally fair and and that's what we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but that was a super interesting answer. I've I've never thought about um, the the power of podcasts to provide um, a sense of company or companionship. Mm. Like that is so true. That's pretty much what they do on long drives or when you're walking or when you're lying yeah. in bed. That's that's yeah. They really have that power.
2: Yeah, uh, and I wanted there the to be a podcast that other people like me could listen to, where they know they're not going to hear any ableist language.
3: Mm. Um, they
2: know that like. Uh, there's, no one's gonna like start shouting or anything like yeah. you know it's something like gentle that you can listen to yeah
1: um
2: yeah I just wanted it to be something that was like um like a fun fun comedy slash conversation podcast in a style that I really enjoy but also with kind of like a feminist you know disability advocacy bent
1: I guess Well, it sounds so cool and we're going to listen to a little bit of it later. Um, The tagline on the website for Just a Spoonful is we are young and fully sick. (laughs) Um, How important is that um, sense of empowerment and humour for people living with illness or disability?
2: I think it's everything. Yeah, Um, I was Listening to a talk with Elizabeth Gilbert, the author, um, the other day, uh, I was watching a, a talk with an interview with her on YouTube, and she talked about people coming to the end of their power, and how if you see someone like in Alcoholics Anonymous, like they've come to the end of their power, and there's no bullshit left, like they have dropped the mask, dropped any facades, mm. and now they're just being real about, how they, about who they are and how they feel. And um, there's nothing prepared me for the vulnerability of being chronically ill. Um, it, it totally, like, is just... And it's not like a one sort of swift motion strip your life away. It just keeps stripping it away. Like, it keeps stripping layers of protection off you. And... Um, oh, I've lost my thread. Um, so about
1: empowerment... So. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I mean, like, empowerment, when, when you're like, so dependent, when you've lost that kind of like, you know, if you're in your 20s, you're, you're in your 20s, and you've lost that independence, or you never had it. Um, that's so confronting. And anything like you can do to like, just cope with that. Mm. Um, like, you know, sort of, I think humor and, you know, anything you do to like, feel, feel more empowered is just vital to survival because things like chronic fatigue syndrome are often comorbid with depression, anxiety. Um, I know I have definitely been in places where I have been suicidal and just because you just want the pain to end in some way. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you think there's no cure, the only way it could end is, you know. And um, that's sort of where your mind goes at three AM when you haven't slept for days, like yeah. and uh, you know, so there's all these kind of amazing communities online, um, like all these great hashtags, um, like Chronic Life, Boonie Chat on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, there's like, you know, Facebook groups and stuff where, where young people go to just um, talk to other people going through similar experiences and feel, feel like they're normal. Because that is the hardest thing is you feel like your youth has been taken away. And there's no guarantee you're ever going to get it back. Mm. So empowerment is just so so important, especially when you've got a diagnosis where they basically diagnose you and it's just a way of saying, yes, you're officially sick, but there's nothing we can do for you. Mm. Um, And, uh, you know, you might get better, you might never get better. Uh, So anything you can do to find empowerment within that is like basically vital to your person personal quality of life and also to your survival.
1: And while we're talking about um, having friends around you, um, if you're comfortable to, do you have any tips for um, people to be good allies for their mates who are living with chronic illness or disability? Like, what works for you from your friends?
2: Uh, That's a really good question, and I think
1: the best tip I can
2: give is keep asking them. Like, keep asking them out. Keep Asking if you can come over. Um, keep texting them.
1: Yeah.
2: They're gonna disappear off the off the map, and you need to know that that it, I I feel personally, and people might disagree with me, but I feel like it is not the job of the person who's sick to keep seeking out um, their friends for company. Uh, that ideally, like it, you should recognize that your friend is like probably lost in a fog, basically. That's how I feel most of the time. Mm. Um, and, if, you know, you need to be, like, throwing it, throwing them a lifeline, basically. It's hard because if someone's chronically ill, like, I've been sick since 2009, like, it's, um, disabled with the illness. I was sick before that, but it wasn't this bad. Um, so, I mean, like, since 2009, I've basically been... Um, <laughs> Uh, I hate to say it, but like, not a very good friend, you know, <laughs> like, I haven't been coming out to the bars, I, I miss people, I miss, make, you know, band shows and stuff mm. like that, like, I, you know, but, and like, you know, I have to keep saying to people, like, um, uh, yeah, come over on Monday, and no, I'm too sick, it's, you know, it's, now it's Monday, and I'm too sick, so, mm. um, the people who haven't given up on me, haven't stopped texting me, are, like, you know, you know just amazing um and they're the people i really need and uh um yeah so i guess like don't give up on your mates um and don't don't assume like this is a big thing that's come out of my conversations with people on just a spoonful don't assume that they have other friends that are there with them (laughs) like this is a big thing like i know i was talking to chloe Reeson who was diagnosed with breast cancer so when I was interviewing her, she was currently going through chemo. She's great now. She's all good, which is good news.
1: Right. Um,
2: but at the time, she was saying that, like, she was like, yeah, I do have, like, a core sort of, like, you know, immediate family and, like, you know, a couple of close friends. But, like, everyone else had just dropped off immediately as soon as she started chemo. Um, because everyone sort of goes, oh, well, they probably want their space. Mm. And it's like... Um, and that's happened to me as well. People go, I just was giving you a space. And I'm like, um, all I do all day is sit in my bed alone and feel mm. sick. I need friends to distract me. I need, like, you know, I need, I still, and, like, I also would still like to have friends, I guess, if I ever come out of this or, like, this, you know, severe phase. Um, and that's how Chloe felt. It's like, you know, once I finish chemo, and, you know, everything hopefully goes well, then what? Do I still have friends? Like mm. So, yeah, I guess um, uh, there's, like, this kind of um, social politeness thing of hang back, don't, don't intrude. Mm. Um, don't be pushy. Think, yeah. Don't be pushy. And I, I think I would say that, like, be a little pushy, yeah. intrude a little, <laughs> Like go a little bit out of your comfort zone. I had a friend when I was going through like really um, one of the worst periods of anxiety I've been through last year. Um, to the point where I couldn't I couldn't leave the house and it was because of anxiety. uh, This time, um, she uh, like she just sort of like texted me and she was like, I'll come over next week and I will sit with you. I will just be. I can be in your room. I can be in the other room. I'll just bring my laptop and I'll look at Tumblr. Mm. You can talk to me if you want to. So I'm just going to be there, and and that was just incredible to me because, a, um, it's really hard to make decisions when you're sick.
1: Mm.
2: As, even little decisions like what am I going to wear today can just be exhausting. So don't make people make the decisions for you. Um, Text them and give them like a clear plan, and then all they have to do is say yay or nay. Yeah. Um, just show up. Just sit around their house. Just bring 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 a friend and like just sit in the living room, and just be like as low pressure as possible. And I, I know that's like kind of a lot to ask,
1: um,
2: but I think if you if we're talking about someone who's not like your acquaintance but who is
0: like your close
1: friend, yeah. that's that's the kind of things you can do for them. I think that's amazing advice and you talk about being pushy and obviously that's your approach and maybe it's probably pretty across the board, but it's always worth asking as well like, hey, do you want me to be a bit more pushy like on a yeah. good day? You can always ask that, right? That's,
2: that's actually a great thing to do is like just be more open with your communication. Mm. Be like, don't be afraid to be like, do you want me to yeah. like push in a bit more? Like yeah. people have People have texted me and been like, is it okay that I keep texting you? And yes. I'm like, because, like, half the time I'm so foggy that I'll just write back, yeah, lol, cool, you know, to their long <laughs> messages. And they're like, is it okay that I keep texting you? I'm like, yes, please. I'm just so tired that I don't yeah. know what to say. Yeah. But I love it. Please keep texting me.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome to hear. I think that's so important to get that out there. Yeah. Um, mm. Um, we don't have a lot of time left but I did oh. want to I did want to talk Sorry. a little bit about no it's great it's been awesome um I wanted to talk a bit about the overrepresentation of women among those living with MECFS. Mm. What's going on there? Is there any theories as to why and um does, what does it have to do with funding? Mm, mm.
2: no that I hadn't thought about the link to funding that's interesting. No yeah there is um uh, uh, MECFS has been around for decades, and there's always been an overrepresentation of women, in the, like who have been diagnosed with it, uh, in clinical studies, in like community samples. You see it. Um, I've met mostly women who've got MECFS, but I have met a couple of men too. I've got, I guess, like it's all speculation. I've got some theories. Um, for example, we know that women tend to seek healthcare more often mm. than men do, and also report more symptoms than men. So men are less likely um, to tell a doctor that they've been sad a lot and mm-hmm. that they've been crying. Um, these, are the kind of, these are the kind of symptoms that could point to over, being overwhelmed, and that's something that happens a lot in MECFS. Um, that could account for some of it. Um, my sort of uh, something I'm thinking a lot, about, a lot about lately is the way that Western medicine is um, hugely based around the male body as the typical body, yeah. So, like, and it's quite an interesting. It's quite interesting how that has kind of happened because I thought, like, oh, sexism, and it, and it is, but it's not what you would think. Actually, after World War II, there was a lot of legislation put in place. Because you know, during World War II, there was like eugenicists, uh, eugenicists, and the, like a lot of experimentation happening. Um, and after that, I think a lot of countries didn't want women. They wanted to make sure that women weren't exploited any, like by any medical research. And so they made rules saying no women can be test, like, experimented on or tested. Like, but what it what it meant was that no women were used as test test objects in medical research for decades. Interesting. And also, women's pain is underestimated while men's pain is overestimated. Yeah. So I've been into emergency departments, telling them like I'm in incredible pain, like I can't move, and they rolled their eyes at me, um, even looking at me, seeing that I was doubled over. Um, so there's like this, in, even though like medically you're not allowed to say hysteria anymore, there's definitely like a lingering yeah. legacy of that attitude towards women.
1: Well, it's a sad state of affairs and I kind of, something in me <laughs> yeah. is telling me that we need to give our listeners some scripts that are um, championing women's rights in healthcare or...
2: Uh, Emerge Australia is a peak body organisation for people with ME in Australia that's doing really good work and they have been working with Senator Scott Ludlam to um, sort of raise issues of myalgic and life in the Senate and question... How much funding actually is there? It turns out not hardly any. Mm. Uh, why isn't there more funding and what can we do about it? So.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Um, thanks, Amy. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much to Caitlin Plyley for that awesome discussion. Uh, and before we go, I'm just going to spend a bit of time giving you a preview of the Justice Spoonful podcast. Um, so this episode is the most recent and it's currently on the website at justaspoonfulpodcast.com com and I'll let the rest speak for itself. Thanks for joining me for Women on the Line. I'm Amy Middleton. I'll catch you next time.
0: Welcome to Just A Spoonful, the podcast that is young and fully sick. Everyone you hear speaking on this podcast is a young person living with a chronic illness and or disability, including me, your host, Caitlin Plyley. Hello. How are you going? It's been a while. It's good to be back. Uh, I've got a really great episode lined up for you, and it feels appropriate to be bringing it to you on Christmas Eve because my guest this episode is a gift She is a gift unto the world, and this interview was one of the most fun hours I've ever spent. And I will tell you more about that in a sec, but first I'd like to catch you up on how I've been living, because this podcast is, of course, about how we're living and what we live for, and how I've been living lately. It's been tricky. It's been really tricky, and that's why this podcast episode is coming to you a little late. This was technically meant to be the November episode, but as you can tell, it's December. Uh, that is because I have been very, very sick for the past six weeks or so, um, sicker than usual. Um, my symptoms have been getting steadily worse over the year. Uh, if, As you may know, I live with myalgic encephalomyelitis or ME and uh, it is episodic. So sometimes it gets worse, sometimes it's better. Um, and it has been worse lately. And there are a lot of complications that come along with living with a chronic illness for years, as I have been, uh, you know, you've, you you, you, uh, if you spend a lot of time in bed that can cause other complications for your body and, um, certain, oh, excuse me, certain processes, um, don't work the way they're supposed to and yeah so also there's like of course a lot of anxiety and depression that comes along with being sick all the time uh which is only natural but as is difficult to manage sometimes so it has been a tricky tricky couple months and um I'm glad to be able to uh actually have the spoons today to bring this episode to you because I've been really really excited to bring this guest to you Miranda Sparks is my guest this episode uh, she is a comedian, radio personality. You might have heard her on 4 Z FM or ABC Brisbane, if you live in Brisbane. Uh, She's a community volunteer, transgender advocate, and author of the superhero web serial Shimmerverse, which is really fun. And we have a great chat, and she talks about her identity as a trans woman, how being on the autism spectrum affects her access to certain forms of literature, which is really interesting and I, something I'd never considered before. Uh, and she debunks the bravery narrative, and gives some advice on how to be a good cisgender ally, which I was really happy to learn. Uh, we also talk about comic book movies, and of course about Shimmerverse, which is her serial that features the hero Glimmer Girl, who is a trans girl who must save the world, and it's a lot of fun. We uh, we also I also learn uh, I learned a lot. Miranda is a friend of mine, but I learned a lot about her in this episode, uh, including. Uh, what she would do in a zombie apocalypse, which is not what you'd expect, it was uh, <laughs> controversial. Some she, she yep, no, I, I was I was taken aback. Um, but yeah, so she's a very interesting person, has well thought out and interesting opinions on everything, and is funny and is just one of the uh, most uh, powerhouse advocates for for um disabilities and transgender issues that I've ever met she has this just seemingly a bottomless well of patience for taking people's hands and and explaining new ideas to them and she did that to me in this interview and I learned a lot and I was very grateful to her for that um we recorded this interview a few months ago in Brisbane winter. Uh, so you will hear us whining about how cold it is, even though it's Brisbane. So obviously it's like not that cold, but um, so yeah, that it's obviously like disgustingly hot right now. So the, <laughs> this might cool you down. Maybe this will be something to like make you imagine it's winter. If you don't like summer, uh, summer can be a hard time for people with chronic illnesses, uh, including me. If you have uh, people with ME, uh, one of the symptoms is that you have more difficulty regulating your body temperature. So changes in te- like extreme changes in temperature can be harder to deal with. And also, like everyone, just feels more tired in the heat. And that's that goes like threefold for people with chronic illnesses. So um, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, uh, and maybe find a nice cool place to lie down and have a listen to this really fun chat with Miranda Sparks. I hope you enjoy. Now join
1: the choir. Join the quiet.
0: I've only just started on Shimmerverse. Yes. Your website.
3: Yes, my my ongoing um, superhero web serial. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Like
0: your website's really cool. You've got fan art on it.
3: Yeah. Well, I know some of it's commissioned. Some of it has been um ha, has been done up. One thing I drew for myself actually the the cover for the Christmas special. <laughs> Which is when the main character Glimmergirl was turned into a little girl so she could rescue Santa Claus. Uh-huh. Um, I actually had fun getting in touch with my inner child and, like you know, drawing this crayon like cover with like you know, like yay stuff around and and demons because for some reason I had to send a six year old to hell. Um, mm,
0: I wonder what Freud would make of this. <laughs> oh,
3: Freud! Freud would have an absolute field day and probably blame my mother. <laughs> As, as Freud is want to do
0: let's talk about your mother
3: no. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i've got some things to say there
0: <laughs> um. um you do a really good voice it's like a grand a sort of grand oh, motherly voice yeah I,
3: I love that voice um it's like our our these kids today their, their, their music it's disgusting <laughs> with their with their Nicki Minaj and their Iggy Azalea banks's oh it's just terrible oh it's awful shocking shocking i was watching the ray martin show oh, he's such a handsome young man <laughs> <laughs> i don't think my grandma ever called ray martin a handsome young man but you know she did call a lot of like men in their late 50s handsome and young and <laughs> and i'm just like grandma you cougar wow yeah <laughs>
0: Um, Ray Martin does have an excellent head of hair. Good it, on him. It really does. I, i I liked the Eric Banner, Ray Martin. Do you remember that? Like the nineties when yeah. he used to do, um, fast forward or whatever it was? Full frontal. Yeah. Full frontal. Yeah. And he had that sort of black plastic Lego yeah, man it head. It was
3: like Ray Martin. He's a troubled soul. He does his hair with Estapol.
0: Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, good times. Good, good times. Um, I wonder what your grandmother would make of bitch better have my money. Uh, the new Rihanna song. Oh, she would hate it. Yeah.
3: She, she would absolutely hate it. Um, I remember there was a song in the 90s um, called I Fuck on First Dates, I think it was. Nice. And Straight to the point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just and,
0: wanted to get the word out.
3: Just just getting the word out. <laughs> um, they had taken in a border for a while and this kid was like listening to that song. I've never heard the song. I don't know about it. But they're just like, that song should I F on first dates. It's disgusting. It's what all these kids... I know my grandparents are the kind of people who thought that everything was possessed by demons. Oh, and that, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they were the sort of Christians who would like, you know, whack you on the forehead and just be like, you know, be gone in the name of Jesus.
0: Oh, that's yeah. intense.
3: I know. Right. Which for which for an awkward little punk rock trans girl was a bit awkward sometimes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God, that would be really hard to um to grow up with that kind of you know that reality that like demons are real and they, they might possess you at any moment yeah um because anytime you weren't doing something that fitted into what society was expecting would you just be like maybe this is a demon
3: uh not me personally <laughs> um and unfortunately i think the rest of my family were a bit more down to earth in the sense that they were just like oh yeah some people are just sinful and some people are just jerks um,
0: oh, wise words.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't really take much of their advice either because you know, like people like me are an abomination to them, and I know that's uh, a. I know, but fortunately, really I've, cool
0: people. I found that?
3: a lot of cool people since, so <laughs> you know, I've dat- I'm dating a lot of cool people, so yeah. that helps. You know, like I'm in a house of cool people. Jax have, is great. I yeah, like she, she's wonderful. Jax, my um, Jack's my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, plus the Rex, uh, Jax's girlfriend who we live with.
0: Yeah, how's that going? Sorry that we're catching up on air, but...
3: (laughs) Oh, that's okay, that's okay. Um, That's actually good.
0: I think, like, one of the last times I spoke to you, you were just about to move in.
3: Yeah, oh, that was such a stressful process. But, you know, now that we're settling in, things are going good. We've got... um, the cats are claiming individual humans. Ah. I've been, I've been claimed by the little black cat mushroom. Who's, <laughs> who's like, um, mushroom. You know, yeah, you know, it's like, I, I even posted on Facebook. It's like, there's a guy I like. Don't worry. He's a cat. Um, <laughs> But mushroom, he'll he'll run under my blankets and he'll sit between my legs and he will try and get in the way of my keyboard all the time. So yeah. I cannot write more Shimmerverse. I'm totally sick. back to that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so if any Shimmerverse uh, Glimmer Girl fans are listening, uh, blame Mushroom.
3: Blame Mushroom. And always... hunt
0: Mushroom down. Um, no. no! <laughs> He's
3: my baby. <laughs> He's my little dude.
0: <laughs> Oh, what a cute name! What a cute little name. Um, <laughs> yeah. When is Morish? I a new Shimmerus came out a few days ago. Was it? Yeah, I did. Uh,
3: I did release a new chapter. I, I release chapters on Mondays and Fridays, or oh. I try to anyway. Um, do you
0: actually stick to it? Because this, like, I was I meant to do this podcast once a month, and I don't. <laughs>
3: <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I fall off the track. That I alternate right now with uh, another web serial um, I'm writing called The Hellbound Dolls. which is a lot, lot darker.
0: Does it involve motorcycles?
3: Uh, Sometimes, yes.
1: Women on the Line is Community Radio's national women's current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a group of women at 3CR Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is slideshow at Free University by Latigra. Women on the Line can be downloaded from our website, womenontheline.org.au or download the podcast at 3cr.org.au slash podcast.
0: I'm Amy Middleton. Tune in next time for another edition of Women on the Line. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.